Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, continuing our coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft. Bunch of shows already released. We talked to Emery Hunt from The Athletic and Football Game Plan about how you actually go about scouting these players. He's done over 60 draft, 600, sorry, not 60, that, that would not be great, 600 prospect draft grades already so i recommend you go check out that show evan silva was on breaking down the running backs and different team needs that what we might be looking for at least in the first round anyway and some cap implications we've done a mock draft you can find all of that in the description of this podcast or video but hey we got a new show today and i do want to let everyone know that if you smash the like button for the episode leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which receiver outside of the uh, consensus top five, someone you can get in the third, fourth, fifth round, that kind of thing, would be your preference for your team out there. You do that, you're in a $20 draw. You want to get into the big draw for 100 DraftKings dollars? Easy. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience, and you're in that draw for 100 DK bucks. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. No matter where it is, just do it. We'll find it, and boom, you're in that draw. Joining me today which you can find on the Fantasy Football Show on YouTube. You go subscribe to that right now. Or on Instagram as well. It's Smitty. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Glad to be here. I've been watching you a while. Uh, when I got the call, I was uh, eager to jump on the show. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk rookie wide receivers. This draft class is completely lit. <laughs> and uh, I'm ready to make a fool of myself because I'm going to contradict myself as I go because every wide receiver seems good enough to be in the top three. It's crazy. Well, let's let's just start from there then. If every wide receiver start, it looks like they could be in the top three. Like there are some mocks that I've seen that project yeah. six wide receivers in the first round, others around four. Do you think this is a case where everyone just sees Lamb and Judy and Ruggs be like, oh, they're definitely going to go inside the top 15. But in reality, maybe it's a bit closer than that. And then teams just kind of say, you know what? We're going to wait at wide receiver a little bit. Maybe we'll trade down because there's enough depth that we can get our guy later. Yeah, and I meant top three of the wide receivers, like meaning like number yeah. six could be number two or number three. But yeah, I, I think honestly, I think it's gonna there could be there could be a grip of wide receivers that go in the top 30, 35 overall picks. Uh, I think that Judy goes earlier than a lot of people uh, think. I think I think it would be amazing if a team traded up to get him and put him in a good spot. I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants toyed around with taking Judy pair him with Danny Dimes, but I know the Giants have a lot of other needs. A lot of people don't think that's possible, but it would not shock me at all if CeeDee Lamb and Judy were both, you know, gone by eight. That's the whole thing. Like, everyone's talking about, well, there's this range that teams could go to. It could be the Jags at number nine. It could be the Jets at 11, the Raiders at 12, the Niners at 13. All those teams could use wide receivers, and that's where everyone, at least in mock drafts or predictions, that's where everyone's saying that the receivers are going to start coming off the board. But it does seem, not every year, but a lot of years, teams will make that, like, weird, bold splash. And I'm not even convinced sort of the consensus top three guys end up being the top receiver going, because there could be, like, just think if the the Raiders are the first team to do anything. And now Mayock is right. there along with Gruden. Maybe they have a little bit more sense than like classic Raiders might, but you know, is there just someone completely off the board? You'd be like, Oh, we're going to take this guy first. Like, uh, you know, uh, th and that's, and that's what I was saying is like, you don't, you don't know which one of these guys will be the, you know, in the top three, it could be rugs could go as a second wide receiver. And I don't even like him in the top four. 
Uh, Mims could be, I think, the one, Denzel Mims, the one player that could leapfrog a lot of people, much like he leapfrogs and moves around the field. Watching this guy is like watching a game of Frogger, and he almost always seems to win and end up in the end zone. Uh, Mims would be would not be shocking to climb into the top 10 or to fall out of the top 25. Um, Justin Jefferson's a very intriguing wide receiver that when you look at the numbers, um, the guy had 11, 111 receptions, 1540 and 18 TDs. Like he fits the, the mold statistically. He's got, he's quick. He's athletic, the ability to like stretch. You could call him long um, in the right spot. He would be a monster in a, in terms of fantasy production for the future years, but Jefferson could go to, CD Lamb and Judy are the the clear cut top two in my opinion, um, but but teams like you said can do anything on draft day. Look at Dan, Danny Dimes going to the Giants last year, which was really funny at the time, uh, and we're all kind of laughing at ourselves now because I think this guy is showing a lot of promise, and maybe they still took him too early. But you know, pair a guy like Mims or Judy or CD Lamb or Justin Jefferson, maybe a Rugs with. Danny Dimes, and I think that the Giants offense is much improved. So we'll see what the Giants do. Um, but I think that there's going to be at least – there's going to be more trades than normal given this environment where everybody's kind of probably compartmentalized in this process in a way that they might be able to focus more on on making moves and getting, getting a hold of people. Well, it could work one of two ways. Evan Silva and I talked about this a little bit, that it does seem like there's a giant gap between – teams that are properly set up to deal with a virtual draft and contact each other during the actual allotted time versus others that aren't. We don't necessarily know who is and who is not, but I actually think that might hurt the amount of trades that goes on, or you see the same 10 teams all trading with each other and the market, like usually you can play the one team off of each other. No, we want a second. No, we want a first, but it seems like that sort of connection might get lost at least during this time of the NFL draft. Maybe I'm completely overrating that. I don't know, it, but it just does seem like some teams might fall by the wayside. I mean, you've done a bunch of fantasy drafts. There's always the one or two idiots yeah. who can't figure out what's going on. Yeah. Well, it all, all it takes is one or well, two teams to make a move. So, uh, you know, if there are teams that are in the mix for, for trading and aren't quick thinkers or technologically they're behind. Yeah. But I think that with 32 teams, they're, they're going to be teams that have a lot of time to make stuff happen. And, and, and I think that, man, I, I really think that this class, this is the wide receiver. This is like the Ellen, the draft's going to be like the Ellen show. Like everyone's going home with a wide receiver in this, in this draft uh, <laughs> coming up here. It, it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, you even go back all the way down to guys like Chase Claypool, uh, Brandon uh, Ayuk, um, T Higgins. These are all guys that you could argue are in the top three or four of this wide receiver class. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Which would lead me to believe that maybe teams, unless they have one guy circled on their board, like that guy is our guy. He is way Mm -hmm. better than everyone else. And maybe that's going to be the case. But from basically just the outside of this, talking about the depth here, that it would seem unlikely to me that someone would trade up, give up assets to go reach for a guy that is the same as, not necessarily the same, because obviously there's different skill sets involved. And you want to make sure that this player gels on your team with the infrastructure that you have in place. But it seems like a lousy allocation of draft capital to go up and get a receiver when there's a ton of receivers. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be the way a lot of teams do approach it. But then there might be somebody that says, look, Jerry Judy is the next. I don't even know how to comp the guy. You can't really comp him. He's so different. But like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, a little bit different version of him. Um, there might be a team that says, hey, this guy is going to be the next elite wide receiver for the next 10, 15, 12 years. 
Um, I think he could be too. So CD lamb as well. Uh, again, when I do this, I, it's like a maze. I, I, I do my rankings. I'm like, okay, I got, even before I jumped on, I knew what I wanted to say about these wide receivers, but after I ranked the top three or four, I got to five, six, seven. I'm like, I'm confused again because these guys are so good. Now the crazy part is what wide receiver class is going to be better two or three years from today, the 2019, the sophomores in the NFL right now with DK, uh, AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown, a loaded group uh, of wide receivers or this wide receiver class. Frankly, they're both going to dominate the top 25 overall, I think two and three and four years from now in fantasy football. For sure. Like when we think about the fantasy football implications, like if you were doing a dynasty draft right now, like I don't enjoy doing drafts before the draft has actually happened. I find that nonsensical, but people really get into it because frankly, talent can win out that is one way to approach a fantasy football side of this but i would prefer to know where they go to see who has the better situation yeah i mean so i i get that a lot i get i get a comment from somebody that says hey a-hole when are you doing your next you know mock draft with rookies involved and then the next comments hey why would you possibly rank somebody when you don't even know where they're going well i'm in the prediction business specifically the rankings cranking out the content so for me it's like, this is what I do. This is what people are seeking and wanting right now. And, and when you produce content from January to even April, June, you're producing dynasty content, okay? So half of what you're doing is dynasty, if not more, uh, because these are dynasty-seeking individuals. And when you do dynasty leagues, people actually draft and kind of follow along with the NFL. They usually have their initial startup draft in January through you know March, and then they have a separate rookie draft. So it kind of depends on your audience. And a lot of people don't understand that they just play redraft when they DM me and they're like, why would you rank Judy, you know, in your top like 20, 30 overall in dynasty startups when you don't know where he's going, you idiot. And it's, <laughs> I have to predict that people are, are seeking the content out. And that's part of the, the evaluation process. Can you, can you predict whether a player's situation proof, you know, like Justin, Jefferson, is he more situation proof than Denzel Mims? I think Mims would probably find a way to survive and be elite no matter where he goes. Well, it would be one of these things like if Judy ends up for whatever reason, I'm saying that this is not going to happen, but who knows? It's the NFL. If the Cleveland Browns are like, we're going to take Jerry Judy. And now you're third on the depth chart behind Landry, behind Odell Beckham. You're still, it'd be a lot like the Calvin Ridley situation where Ridley put into a different spot that isn't the Falcons. He's been fine, but if he had the opportunity to go be a number one somewhere like A.J. Brown last year, his fantasy value would be better. And that's not indicative of his talent either way. He's just as talented on Atlanta as he would be somewhere else. But the situation and the volume, like what we actually mm -hmm. mine for in fantasy could have a direct correlation to landing spot. Absolutely. I mean, the guys I feel like are more situation proof. And sorry if I talked over you, my audio went out for a second. Oh, but, it's okay. Uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry, Judy, did, did I, I couldn't even tell if I was or not. Cause it just, uh, it just wasn't, I had nothing. Uh, Jerry, Judy and CD lamb. I feel like they're more situation proof and Bims than let's say a rugs rugs to me is either going to be the next John Ross, or he's going to be maybe the next Tyreek Hill. We don't really know. And I think he has to have, an ideal landing spot for him to develop properly and become the guy that a lot of people think he can be now speed kills, but speed also impresses people way too much. I think coming out of the NFL draft. And when you don't, when you have just that speed, you've impressed some people, you look pretty good 
on the field, obviously you pass the eye test, but you only come out with 40 receptions, 746 yards and seven TDs. The stat line isn't quite there to back up all the other stuff. And for me, that makes me back off and, and, and take my foot off the gas in terms of pumping that player up. When you have players that have, they pass the eye test, they could probably be more situation proof and they have the stats to back it up. All right, well, let's get into the actual rankings. You say you keep going back and forth, the six. So it's, what did you land on, at least for this show? This might change tomorrow, and everyone can yeah. go check that out. And Are you updating the YouTube page more, or are you just going like live on Instagram most of the time? Oh, no, I, I produce like almost one video a day on YouTube, um, whether I'm, I'm live on YouTube or whether I'm doing you know interviews or doing some kind of fantasy content. But uh, you'll see this stuff all over the place, um, but also at sleeperu.com is where I have a lot of the written content. But Judy, I have number one. Um, he's got the, as I was saying, eye test. He passes the eye test to an extreme degree. And, and sometimes a lot of people get upset when you use more gut instinct than stats or more stats than gut instinct. I'm probably more eye test than anything else, but I do love the stats and incorporate that in. When I watch a certain player like Judy, I, I can see it. I know that that in the right spot, he will thrive. He's got the speed, the statistical uh, data to back it up, 77 receptions, 1163, 10 TDs, and the character. He came out of the combine, as a lot of people said, the star in terms of, of, of the interview process. So all that together, that, that's just, it's like the, the perfect storm of goodness. And to me, I think he, he comes out of this as the best wide receiver. Now, CD Lamb, I love a lot too. And in the right spot, this guy could be the next, it, it, these guys are really hard to comp because they're so unique, but he could be a Hopkins-like guy as well, or a Hopkins and Galladay combo. Uh, I feel like he might need situation a little bit more than Judy, but I think he's going to get it because the team that goes after him is going to want to use him as their top guy. Mims is my number three. Uh, you tell me how far you want me to go. Uh, oh, go, okay. Mims, oh, hey, hey yeah. as, as long as you got guys' names and rankings, yeah. I love I love <laughs> rankings. I want to hear it down to okay. 100 if you got them. <laughs> Mims at 6'2", 206 pounds. He might even come in heavier than that. Uh, runs like a 4'3", This guy had 66 receptions for 10, 20, and 12 TDs in 2019. And you're going to hear two stances with Mims. You're going to hear people say he's going to get called for pass interference on every play at the <laughs> NFL level. Uh, or this is how you play football, idiot. Do not watch football. Hopkins does this on every play. So you know, there's two, there's definitely like a lot of haters on Mims and a lot of diehard truthers. Some people think he's the number one wide receiver in this draft class. And I don't blame them at all. He's, he, he's going to dominate DBs at the next level. And like I said, it's like, he's playing Frogger in traffic and he always ends up either standing upright on the other side in the end zone or on his back in some ac acrobatic catch. I love Mims. So, uh, and, and, and it, well, as it pertains to Mims, he ran a sub 4440 at the combine, which is yeah. you know, impressive to say the least. But yeah. do you think that being in this Baylor offense, which, you know, you're you're playing in a conference where offense isn't necessarily difficult to generate, that maybe that doesn't translate to the next level. Maybe some of it was just very easy based on the competition in terms of the offensive game plans of teams on both sides of the ball. Great point. And, and I think that that's where your eye test and all the other things have to kind of come together. So if you're analyzing something, there's a hundred different ways to look at it. There's, there's so, so many different factors. And I think that if you take one approach, like statistic, statistically only, or just the eye test, then you're going to fail. Uh, but when you have all those other things to support that this guy is elite, you know, he looks amazing. 
Um, the fact that uh, uh, a lot of people think he could go in the top 12, uh, 15, or he could fall into the second. People are all over the map on him. But the fact that I think he could get even bigger too. Look at Terrell Owens coming into the NFL. People forget how small he was compared to his size and build like when he was in his prime in the NFL level. If Mims gains some size, strength, and, and a spatial awareness, he's going to be unstoppable. So I get what you're saying there. You got Randy Moss. How did people know Randy Moss was going to be good? Um, you take a look at Daryl Henderson from last year, um, who was number one in college football history in yards per attempt ever in 60 plus years of stat collection. And everybody said that he wouldn't develop because he had easy competition. He's not going to do well. We'll find out this year if the Rams decide to use him. But there's always going to be that argument when a player has an easy schedule. They play in, in a weak conference. They they play on an offense where people are going to blame. Oh, that offense is like Justin Jefferson had Burrow, so that's why he was good. He won't be good. Well, that's an, a factor in it, and that's why you got to look at all the other things. Um, and, Jefferson and, is. I was going to say, and it's to say with Jefferson too. If you go from Joe Burrow in college to an NFL quarterback, presumably you could still be good. Yeah, exactly. And a team that's going to draft Jefferson most likely is going to, again, because I think he'll be a top four, top five pick uh, in terms of wide receivers, that that he's going to find a team that's very wide receiver needy. He's going to get the volume he needs. Um, but anything can happen. These guys can fall kind of in a weird way. And, and draft capital is weird with um, offensive positions these days, especially with running back, because you can have a running back fall into the second or third round that deserves hypothetically to be a first round talent and then they fall into a muddy situation so anything can happen the deeper we go with this class the more likely these guys could land in a weird spot uh rugs i have at five but i almost i'm very hesitant to even have him there because of the things i talked about is he the next john ross the stats don't really back up that this guy is going to just walk into the nfl and dominate when he had 700 yards in in college but he's a return guy speedy uh, I think that that's always going to be attractive to teams and how they use him where he goes is going to ultimately depend whether he becomes, I think, fantasy relevant for even the next you know one or two years. I don't think he'll do anything, uh, at least fantasy wise, the first year other than have splashes and flashes of, of what he's capable of speed wise. Claypool, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame is a very, very interesting uh, wide receiver that I think is very situation dependent, but he had he runs a four. It was a four, four, two or, or faster, I think, at the combine. Um, big, big. He's like DK Metcalf meets Mike Evans. And he's got amazing hands. Uh, but he's going to be very situation dependent. DK fell into the most ideal spot. And if that can happen for Claypool, we could be looking at that DK Metcalf type value. Who uh, I had Chris, Han uh, Scott, I said Chris Hansen, Scott Hansen on my show uh, the other day. And he said DK Metcalf within one year will be a first round pick. A lot of people love DK, um, and then to be compared to DK is a great thing for Chase Claypool. Uh, so, number so, seven. Well, hold on a second. So I just want to scale back here, uh, talk about yeah. Ruggs and Claypool for a second. Claypool, sure, sure. so basically what you're saying as like a DK Metcalf, Mike Evans body type, at least going to the yeah. NFL, he's someone who could essentially be a red zone presence that just sucks in a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. And 13 TDs, um, big, great, big hand, or huge hands, good hands. Um, the size, like when you look at him on film, he looks a lot like uh, like an Evans meets DK. He just, I mean, he just dominates defenders. Um, not the quickest guy. Uh, he's got speed, but he's, you know, he's a big guy. Kind of like DK, people worried about DK with his cone drill. Would he be able to run the routes? Th 
those are some questions people have about this guy, but look what DK's doing. Um, and he's, he's answering all those questions right now. And I think Claypool looks to be around the same type of athleticism um, on the field. So he could be like a tight end. A lot of people say, well, if you convert Claypool to a tight end, he'll dominate. He kind of has that frame and it wouldn't shock me if a team tried, but I don't think he wants to play tight end. And I think a team, the team that invests in him will, will take him as a wide receiver, but he's got that Mike Evans feel uh, really like Claypool a lot. So when it, as it pertains to rugs, uh, he's getting bunched in with the top three receivers and most mocks of who's going to come off the board. Yep. I, is there a possibility that he goes as the first wide receiver just based off that speed? Like, look, at John Ross went, what, ninth overall? It could harken back yeah. to the Darius Hayward Bay or Troy Williamson's. Like, these speed guys catch a particular GM at a particular time being like, well, we can teach him how to be a great receiver. You can't teach that speed. And someone just reaches for him. You know, Pat, uh, O'Brien is is in this league, so anything is possible. I am not going to uh, make myself look like a fool here and say never. But Ruggs, yeah, Ruggs, there's no way he can vault over Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, in my opinion. For It takes just one team, but but I think that Ruggs just hasn't proven it enough on the field with, with like I said, just not a very, very huge stat line to be like, this guy will 100% translate as a wide receiver. Now, returners are important. Having the ability to be a wide receiver and a special teams player to the degree he could be, which could be a he could be a burner um, for any team in special teams right away, right off the bat. I, could he go third? Yeah, I think that's why he's ranking so high. But from a fantasy football perspective, I just I, I see other players like Claypool, um, other ones I'll get to in a second, T. Higgins, that just feel a lot more. Um, uh, capable of producing, uh, you know, really good fantasy numbers. So it's it, like we talked about with Judy and we talked about Lamb. We talked about the potential upside. Here are the cops like, hey, maybe they're uncomparable, but, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, that's a name that gets thrown out yeah. a bunch. Devontae Adams, that kind of thing. Yes. But when we speak about them, we don't speak about the downside to this. And it's fine when we speak about Ruggs, like, oh, he's a John Ross type player. What's the upside for someone like Ruggs? Is it like Deshaun Jackson? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. A lot of people say Tyreek Hill. I think that's, that's a stretch and a half. Um, I, I think Ruggs doesn't, he doesn't show that when I look at the, he doesn't look like a guy that's going to be uh, a top 15 overall pick in fantasy drafts three or four years from now. He, he will max out like in these speed guys, they oftentimes, he already he had a concussion recently. Uh, these guys get, they get hurt a lot more often because they're burners. They pull hammies all the time, uh, staying healthy for a speed demon like Ruggs. I mean, it's not crazy to think that he he could struggle with injuries too. I'm just I'm not staying I'm staying far away from him in fantasy, given his value, and I think NFL teams would be wise too with the given the options that are here to to be making him a top 15 overall pick. Again, it, it could happen. You're correct. Uh, it, I could see somebody taking him three two out of this wide receiver class, but they'd be crazy to pass on Judy or Lamb because these guys are top. 12 overall in and i'm speaking fantasy here but top 12 overall fantasy type players for the future i think i think lamb and judy could be that good well and the thing with rugs you mentioned the concussion he suffered in the citrus bowl is that maybe he was evaluated properly at the combine he's good to go but that's just and all the hidden concussions that people never know how many that football players actually have but this is a recorded one that 
where you can't just fly teams in your players into team facilities right now to do right. your proper medicals on everyone that do you think that's going to be a cause like teams really don't want to screw up the draft to begin with but with a lack of information as it pertains to health do you think that's just going to knock people down the list regardless of position it could it could and these speed guys there's a reason they get concussions they're moving 100 miles an hour and then getting <laughs> you know clotheslined so it's not like some weird thing oh he's bringing up a concussion like these speed guys get hurt a lot um but yeah for sure i think teams we're in a we're in uncharted waters we don't know what teams are thinking but i think you're right there are probably a lot of people worried about the spotlight on this draft more than ever before people have been starved for for sports for so long the draft is going to be watched by everybody uh soccer moms everyone's going to be watching this draft because they want something um and and i think that that yeah people will be worried about screwing this up but again it takes one team Bill O'Brien, somebody to just try and make a, a splash in some weird way. It would not shock me if somebody picked rugs in a, a spot that I consider way too high. Yeah, I don't think the Texans are going to have the necessary picks in order to get rugs. Maybe they'll trade yeah. up, they'll trade the rest of the <laughs> yeah. farm to go up and get exactly the same receiver that they already have like three times over on their roster. Yeah, that's what I mean. Cooks for for Hopkins essentially, right? Yeah, and I'm in Arizona. I don't know if you know that, but I'm in Arizona, so I I was ecstatic when my Cardinals got DeAndre Hopkins. I was hoping for CD Lamb in the draft, and I was given DeAndre Hopkins. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a swap you're willing to take without giving up the uh, eighth <laughs> pick and just improving your <laughs> roster even more. It's crazy. <laughs> so uh, let's recap. <laughs> he's the guy that you, you up. You want to make a trade? Yeah, he's that guy in your fantasy league. Can I ask you, how did that get by all the other suits and people that make decisions? How? On the Texans or across the league? Yeah, on the Texans. Because he like, is. How did that. Listen, I, when you have complete authoritarian control over your team, I mean, you're the one making the. When you're the coach and GM, there's no one to run it by. Yeah, it, it's insane. He probably should have run it by the other teams first. Maybe he could have gotten more. Who knows? Yeah, I, I do offer a fantasy football uh, Judge Smitty where I am the judge of a fantasy trade. I, you know, they can reach out to me and I'll tell them whether it's a bad deal or not. <laughs> so, I mean, I, next I, I'm not for vetoes in any league. I mean, if you want to make a bad trade, that's on you. You were the one to get the good deal. But I bet you the NFL other GMs right now are like, where, where's like the do not put through button? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I know. It's crazy. So recap your rankings for us. You go Judy, Lamb, Mims, Jefferson, Ruggs, Claypool. That's the top six. Uh, yeah, um, Ayuk from Arizona State, Brandon, uh, very, very good. Reminds me of a Debo Samuel, you know, maybe uh, different traits from a couple other players, but I like him a lot. He could, there's, there's talk. I think Todd McShay said that he could climb into the first round for a few teams. So don't be surprised if that Arizona State wide receiver goes in the top, you know, 30 overall. Uh, T Higgins is a mismatch is one, I guess the best word to describe him leaping ability nose for the end zone 12 tds in 2008 13 tds in 2000 uh 2008 18 uh 13 tds in 2019 so he's got double digit touchdowns and back-to-back seasons he's an, an end zone machine um out of clemson he could go he, he could be he could climb i wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow he was in my top six <laughs> again it's 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 crazy i think i re-ranked my six to ten two or three times before i came on the show um uh, Rager, Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. He's also a speed demon. And I think teams are going to get excited about him. 
his coaching staff says he runs like a four two nine, uh, which he didn't run at the combine. But uh, you know, he's only he only pulled in six hundred eleven yards and five TDs. So with these speed guys without the stat line, I'm staying away from him. But a lot of people think he could be a difference maker at the NFL level in terms of return yardage. Well, is this a situation too, where when you're playing at TCU, you don't have Joe Burrow throwing you the ball. So that projecting him onto the next level, be like he's going to get such a substantial upgrade at quarterback, regardless of where he goes, over yeah. what TCU was throwing out that, Hey, maybe someone can hit him on these deep routes. And all of a sudden we're looking good. And it's a good point because it, it, there was a QB like mess there at T, TCU in 2019, whereas in 2018, he did pull in a thousand yards and nine TDs. So a lot of people think he would have had a monster year if he had some consistent QB play. So great point. And that's where you got to look at the stats to try and figure out if you need to, to readjust your eye test exam on a player, because, you know, maybe he does have the ability more so than the stats um, show. Yeah, well, I throw, and Gabriel, Gabe, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, you, I throw Deshaun Jackson a little bit earlier as it pertains to rugs, but are we thinking about someone like on, uh, I mean, when we think Deshaun Jackson, we think vintage Deshaun Jackson, best case scenario, yeah. who was an elite wide receiver. Are we thinking more yeah. like for upside, if rugs uh, or even Regor, that it's like, I don't know, like Will Fuller, Hollywood Brown, that type of player? Uh, he, Hollywood Brown's a pretty decent way to comp him. Um, he's 5'11. 206 so he's not that tiny um but who knows if that that weight is even you know, height is even correct it seems like that gets stretched but uh i think that's a good hollywood brown would be a really good way to comp him i think hollywood brown's gonna be really good by the way uh something that i think is debatable across a lot of fantasy circles but i think hollywood brown with with lamar is gonna be insane so i think i don't think he'll be as good as hollywood because i love hollywood but I think Rager could be an asset for a bunch of teams. I think Gabriel Davis, he, he would probably be my 10th, my last uh, wide receiver in the top 10 here out of Central Florida. Uh, a lot of buzz coming out about this guy right now. He's big. He's 6'2". He's 216, kind of like I mentioned about Terrell Owens. You know, you give a guy like this more weight, more size. If he starts playing at 220, he's going to be insane. Um, and and he, he had 72 receptions for 1241 and 12 TDs. In, in 2019 and it looks great when you watch film on him he's a player that you feel like how do I not have this guy in my top five or six for wide receivers because on film he just looks the part he looks amazing I, I urge anybody that wants a deep wide receiver to go after Ayuk from Arizona State people are ranking him way outside their top 10 in fantasy he's undrafted in a couple deep dynasty leagues I'm in and Gabriel Davis as well I like both of them and ha Hamler is tough to he's a little smaller he's 5'9 178 but KJ Hamler out of Penn State is another one of those small speed guys um, that, that, that people, a lot of people don't know about and don't draft. Yeah, and he is going to be the youngest of all these receivers in this draft class as well. Yeah, he's uh, smallest, <laughs> smallest and youngest. Uh, 5'9", so, 178, that's hard to imagine holding up at the NFL level, though. True, but I mean, 5'9", 178 can turn into, I mean, if he's only, he's going to be 21 uh, at the draft. Yeah. Like, size-wise, like, you, you keep talking about, like, these guys can put on weight. Yeah, like, when you true. The difference between being 21 and 23 as it pertains to body type and being able to accurately bulk up, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're 5'10", and you're 205, you know, you're a brick shithouse. <laughs> great, great point, and, and you're right, the age, that's a very good good uh, thing to toss out and, and factor in look at david robinson uh going uh going to war overseas and coming back a foot taller and uh, you ever hear that story david robinson nba player comes home and his mom beat him with a broom when he walked in the house because he grew a foot 
while he was away after he turned 18 already. That's kind of a funny story, but well, it, uh, you it's, know, it, tw- it's sort of like uh, with uh, with Giannis in the NBA. Like he grew an extra three inches after they drafted. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, twenty one hard to imagine, but maybe he'll be five ten, uh, one ninety. You know, and then he'd be a pretty decent sized wide receiver. So you're right, KJ Hamlin shouldn't be Hamler shouldn't be held back uh, just yet. Yeah, I mean, just get him some of those Tom Cruise shoes. Give him an extra two inches, and all of a sudden he's looking great. Yeah. <laughs> So who's your, who are your top three? I mean, I, I don't know anything about this. I don't watch college football. I don't even care. Like, this is why I talk to you guys. So when it comes along, <laughs> I can like bet on the NFL draft. Cause I'm not doing dynasty leagues. I mean, a, I, I play in one, it's not even a dynasty league. It's just a keeper league. Like I hate dynasty leagues so much. Like I have actual things to do with my real life that like digging into a dynasty <laughs> league is a bit much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's about 80, 70, 80% of my followers are dynasty diehard you know, people. And so again, that's my struggle when I'm telling people I'm ranking and projecting and doing all this yeah. before we know where anybody's at. Like, uh, th- but th- yeah, th- I, this is why I like playing on DraftKings. This is why I like betting on the NFL. Like I can do that Sunday morning over the course of an hour after I've you know figured it out all week. And then I get instantaneous results Then I can just go do it again the next week. I don't want to have to plan for four years from now. Like, you know, this isn't my financial portfolio. Fantasy football is not supposed to be a struggle. Something I need to pay attention to 80 hours a week, at least. That's why I exist to give people information, why you exist to give the in-depth research. But like for me personally to play in that, just like, oh, there's a thousand things I'd rather do. Yeah. Well, Judy, Lamb, Mims, and Jefferson, I'm locking in. And final answer, that's my top four. And I think if you're in fantasy drafts, you, you draft them in that order. That would be my advice. All right, well, let's talk about teams in general. The team needs at receiver. I kind of identified a few off the board, and I don't think that the you threw at the Giants that they could go crazy. I mean, they did take Barkley at number two two years ago. Maybe they will end up taking a wide receiver. It's like, if we just draft our entire skill position players inside the top five, there's no way we could lose, but we'll see how that goes. I don't envision the Bengals, the Skins, the Lions, the Giants, the Dolphins, the Chargers. Maybe someone's made a trade by the time you're watching this. Uh, just, just know that as of right now, as of this recording, they have not. I don't see the Panthers doing it. You know, they did it with DJ Moore. They signed Robbie Anderson. They still have Curtis Samuel. That you know, wide receiver seems unlikely. The Cardinals just trade for Hopkins. So at eight, they're probably not going receiver. The Jags are the first realistic place where a wide receiver could go off the board. But do you really want to start stacking? Like maybe they say, you know what? We're rolling with Minshew. We're not going to sign Cam. We're not going to sign Jameis. We need to give Minshew all the best people possible. We have Chark. Maybe... Now, Keelan Cole can start doing some more stuff. Maybe Didi can evolve a little bit more. Do we need to go out and get Judy? Do we need to go out and get CD Lamb? I find it hard to believe that the Jags would actually do that. I do too. Uh, maybe they trade down. I don't know. I, I've heard I've heard them link to taking a wide receiver, one of the maybe not so likely, but the possible possible places where a wide receiver could land in that top ten. Um, but I'm with you. I don't I don't know why they would go and do that. Westbrook was supposed to be so good. And, and, you know, Chark obviously took over and became the number one there, but it's possible that, that they, they entertain it. Um, Chargers. I, yeah, I don't see the Chargers, the Panthers. I, I could see that. Um, I, the I, Cardinals. I, I just feel like the Panthers have too many receivers to be, and they're going to be bad. Like what, what would be the point? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, it, I think it's, it's a possibility, but not an extreme likelihood that that'll happen. Um, Broncos is t- hard to imagine as well, but then again, I see, you know, maybe I, they want to surround Locke with. I, with I, more I would talent. say that the Broncos are definitely a possibility here, depending on how this breaks down. Like 
The Jets, they uh, the Browns, no. The Jets, yes, but they probably go offensive linemen at 11. So then you got the Raiders, the Niners, the Bucks are a no, and then the Broncos at 15. That's where you can see the first three come off the board. At least that's like yeah. I, don't, I don't think that Deshaun Hamilton's all that great. So you have Cortland Sutton. Can you pair him up with someone on the other side of the ball? Put better use to Noah Fant. Uh, even just you don't even need to play him a tight end. Just break him out into the slot yeah. a little bit. You're not asking yeah, they, Fant to block whatsoever. That another piece there for Lock could go a long way. Yeah, they need DB help. They need uh, defensive line, offensive line. So yeah, it makes it less likely that they are. But man, anything, anything, so is so possible. The Browns probably not. Uh, Falcons, they need no. defensive back help, offensive line edge. Like they need it. They need it all. Um, and they wouldn't take a wide receiver anyway. Uh, I think the Raiders are like the only spot that's like, you know, the the sound the alarm. This is the, the team that is for sure going to take a wide receiver. Now, the question is, would Jerry, Judy, Lamb, Mims, Jefferson, Ruggs, would all these guys fall to 14? I don't see it. But but breaking it down with you, it's hard to argue any of those teams, they should be taking a wide receiver. So I think the Raiders land either Lamb or Judy. Well, but, it, it, I know. think it depends. I think it depends on like how thirsty they are. Like, is there a drought? Do they need to get this wide receiver? Because they have the twelfth pick and they have Chicago's pick, which would be nineteen. So twelve and nineteen. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and you and you look at it, be like, well, maybe that there is a best player at his position available at twelve, be it a you know an edge rusher, a linebacker, a safety, a corner, whatever it might be, or an offensive lineman. All stuff that they could use. And then they say no wide receivers have gone yet. We know, looking back at it, that, hey, after us, the Niners, they might take one. The Broncos, they might take one. The Falcons and Cowboys, maybe the Dolphins do, probably not. We'll see what they end up doing at the very top of the draft. That could be sort of a smoke signal to what they do at 18 and even after that. But if they think that they can get, if they have identified three guys that they really want, maybe they pass at 12 and they just take them at 19 instead. And like the Jags are back on the board at 20 as well from the Rams in the Ramsey trade that maybe that's a more logical place for them to take a receiver instead of inside the top 10. Yeah. So Jets at 11 Raiders at 12 Niners at 13. Very, I think all three have a real strong shot at, at a wide receiver. So if I had to pinpoint teams that, you know, and, and the Niners are are linked to Rugs, they're linked to Judy, they're linked to a bunch of different wide receivers. Um, they could also take a, a wide receiver at the end of the first round and take like Claypool or someone like that, and take uh, you know somebody else at this thirteen pick. But it's it's yeah, I I don't want any one of my top three to go to the New York Jets. I feel like that would be a setback. But you know, I. AJ Brown was my number one ranked wide receiver talent wise. Cause I do an evaluation process in January. It has nothing to do with landing spot. And then when he landed in Tennessee and I put a caveat in there, um, I said that his landing spots going to hold him back a little bit, unless something happens at, at the quarterback position, which it did. Uh, so with the jets, I'm not a Darnold fan. I'm not a, a fan of Gase. I'm not a fan of that offense whatsoever. So I'm afraid that my favorite, well, all three of the top three are my, my favorite wide receiver, but I'm afraid one of my top three wide receivers is going to the jets and it's going to be upsetting to me. Cause I think that that's going to set them back. Yeah. And listen, this show is very anti Sam Darnold who we still project to weigh 875 pounds two years from now. Cause he just, he has the look <laughs> of it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, whatever the worst possible and just based on jets history, whatever the worst possible pick they can make at their pick, they'll probably end up making it 11. Uh, then we'll have super fan 
Tim Andercast on the show where he defends it to the death, and then he'll be like very yeah. upset two years from now. Either way, that <laughs> then we get into the twenties, and like I said, Jack, like the Raiders at nineteen, Jacksonville at twenty, they could go receiver, receiver. But then you have teams that could potentially trade up if receivers start flying off the board, like the Eagles and Vikings at twenty-one and twenty-two. They seem like they'd be in the market for a wide receiver, especially now with the Vikings. They trade away digs to get this pick at 22, that why not use it on one of the receivers if the good ones are still there? Yeah, 21-22, those spots for sure feel wide receiver uh, friendly. But And, and we're, I'm evaluating this based on the order, but like I said at the beginning, I think that teams are going to be active. Um, they're going to want to make a splash. It's going to be just a different environment. Everyone's going to be... Um, I think compartmentalized and did different processes of this virtual experience. So I think people will have the, they'll have people set and ready to, to negotiate and, and discuss things with teams that maybe in a different environment at the NFL draft would have been more chaotic, but I could be wrong again, uncharted waters. I'm, I'm speculating there, but I I'm thinking that the, that the Eagles or the Vikings, one of the two might move up and to grab a Judy or to grab a CD Lammer to grab a Mims, but we'll see. Like you said, to your point, there's so many wide receivers. Maybe everybody just stays where they are and says, Hey, I'll get a Mims at 21 or, or 22. And that could happen. You know, we just went through the top 13 or top, I'm sorry, top nine or whatever, before we got to, what was it? Uh, the jets, um, Jacksonville was a possibility, but the top 10 teams, they don't look like they're taking a wide receiver. So from 11, 12 and 13, you know, and then that space in between, like you said, maybe Denver at 15, um, all the way on down to the Raiders at 19, they could take the fifth, fourth best receiver right there. Yeah. And the Vikings have 22 and 25 as well. And sandwich in between those two picks, you have the saints and Patriots. The saints could be in the market for a receiver. Like everything, it seems like everything is on the board for the saints, knowing that there's a end date to drew Brees right now that right a year maybe two years for him that why not go out if you think you have this window and it's only going to be two years that maybe logically it's not the most sound thing that you need on your team is to go get another impact wide receiver and they did just sign emmanuel sanders but for, for all we know he could just be washed at this point uh and maybe not be the most consistent presence that you need on the opposite side of michael thomas but like if rugs falls like if you insert rugs into the Saints offense, like if you talk about like John Ross as being a comp, that would probably also mean that Ted Ginn is a comp, that he's just better Ted yeah. Ginn, which is exactly what that offense needs right now. Someone to actually yeah. stretch the field. I think that's an ideal landing spot for rugs and an ideal landing spot, you know, in general for, for the Saint to get that player for the Saints. That would be an impact player that could help them on special teams and and just make it impossible to really worry full time about either Mike Thomas or or Alvin Kamara. So yeah, that would be ideal. That'd be the perfect fit for him. Um, I think that green, you know what, an interesting landing spot for, for Claypool would be green Bay because they have Devonte Adams. They, they kind of need another wide receiver. I like the lizard, the lizard man, <laughs> but I think that if Claypool landed in green Bay, that gives Rogers that kind of almost tight end wide receiver hybrid that I think he would utilize a ton and he'd be really good in green Bay. And I think, I think Rogers from a fantasy perspective, people are, talking about him being washed up and, and done. And sometimes he'll go in round eight, round nine, double digit rounds and mock drafts I do right now. He's only 36 years old. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, people are even talking about the finish line for him as well, that there's the potential that the Saints or Packers could draft 
like if Jordan Love is still kicking around, that like just draft him, make him the backup for a year or two, and then move on to him when the time comes. I, I could see that more so with the Saints than I could with the Packers. Like the only thing with Rodgers is, well, the age is a factor, obviously, but I don't see yeah. – I mean, he's not – peak Aaron Rodgers anymore he's still quite good uh the arm is still working and that's really all that matters I feel like it's an interest thing from his perspective not just me projecting onto him is that does he really want to play when he's 40 it doesn't seem like it yeah that's that's a good question I think I think he I think he does he's pretty he's a pretty compartmentalized guy I keep using that word today uh where he, you know he's not I don't think he's even close with his family football is what he lives for so I think that that I can't see him walking away from the game and look at look at Tom Brady. You know, I know that a lot of people think Tom Brady with his noodle arm, they say, isn't going to do well uh, as well as people expect. But his weapons that he surrounded himself with are going to revive him to an extreme degree in 2020. And he's going to have a top six fantasy QB season. And if Rodgers gets a weapon like Claypool, he's got Adams, he's got Aaron Jones. They were 13 and three last year. People say that Rodgers has lost it. How did he lose it when he marched that team to a 13 and three record? And they were, you know, a Super Bowl contender, at least. I, I think he still has it. I don't think he's lost much at all. He dealt with injuries to Devontae Adams, a change in that offense where they had to run the ball a ton because they didn't have Adams or a passing attack to lean on. So they revamped everything, ran the football a ton, didn't revert it back once Adams came back and he came back lingering. So I think Rodgers, people need to look at 2019 and just kind of push it to the side and say that they're going to throw the ball a ton in 2020, and he's going to get back to, I think, top six QB numbers. Looking at the draft props right now from DraftKings Sportsbook, over under wide receivers drafted in the first round. The number is five and a half. To bet the overs minus 250, it's two to one to take the under. Now, we've just talked about a bunch of different situations and a bunch of different wide receivers where over five and a half seems like it's probably going to happen. But if the depth is actually true in this, and what ha I, I really do think it all depends on that little stretch between like 11 and 15. If only yeah. one receiver goes there, then I think it's going to end up hitting the under. Like everyone just always wants to bet over for all, especially for skill positions, because that's uh -huh. the best TV. I know these people's names and this is definitely going to happen. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, a bunch of corners went, a bunch of safeties went. And people are like, well, I don't know who these people are. This isn't good. That do you think it's over or under five and a half wide receivers in the first round? <laughs> they always get it perfect. You know, you, yeah. you can't, you can't decide. That's why the odds are such a tough game to play. Um, man. I think we will have five wide receivers go in the first round. If well, I had to guess right now. Well, if that is the case, so I'm gonna, sir, I'm going to go under, you, you throw down your under, you get two to one on your money. I know I might, I might, I might have to do that. I might have to play that. <laughs> well, I suggest everyone tune into tomorrow's show when we talk about our favorite draft props. That's going to be a, a losing endeavor, I'm sure. But hey, I haven't been able to bet on anything in ages. So you know, betting on the NFL draft is where I want to be right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know what? You convinced me of that, just going through the draft order. Now, I think if there are a lot of trades, then I might change my tune. But for right now, looking at the way these are set up, you know, it it is tough to imagine more than five. But this is your and, and your argument of because it's so deep, will people not make moves? That's a great argument. It's a it's such a tough thing to it's tough enough to rank these guys, but then to have to factor in all the other things that you got to consider what teams are going to do. Will they make trades? That's what makes the draft so fun. But I, I don't know very many people that come out 
of of the NFL draft having a very very accurate prediction of what was going to play out. <laughs> so well, well, you know, it, it's funny you say that because Silva on last week's show, like he is like per the numbers, is one of the best mock drafters over the past five years, and he's like, if you can get like twelve people to match up, like you are elite at mock drafting. <laughs> so it's essentially like. The, the old baseball adage, like, if you hit 300, you're a Hall of Famer. That's essentially the same yeah. thing as mock drafts. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's a tough in – the, in the mock draft traffic um, that I have on my site, whenever I do a mock draft, you get the most angry people that come in, comment, and leave on your mock drafts. Or if you do a mock draft video, that's where you're going to get all the negative stuff. People get upset about you predicting the wrong thing for their team, not only because they have something else in mind, but because you maybe don't even – Maybe you don't know it as well as this Homer that's that's looking at it constantly, and he feels that no, everyone's saying that we need offensive line. They don't realize we're 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 developing this player, and and they just scream and yell at you constantly. It's definitely the most aggressive commenting and and, and interaction I have was when, when I do NFL mock draft stuff. Yes, same as me actually, and it's funny because the people that get the angriest, like you mentioned, are generally the big homers that only know about one team, which is really just yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fun though. I I enjoy mock. I'm really saddened. Um, I, I imagine you are too that we didn't have a NCAA tournament. That's like that and the NFL draft are two of the most exciting days for me. I think opening day as well. But but it's you know it's going to be nice to have this draft. I think everybody's been been cooped up and they're they're seeking some kind of football. And it's just good that the NFL is going to move forward with it and they're not going to delay it. But I have to ask you, what are the odds we have a season in 2020, in your opinion, and everything you hear and everybody you talk to? And and then what are the odds, if you think we will, that we'll have a partial season, a 10-game season, or push back with no preseason? Like, what, what are you hearing? What are you, what are you thinking? I think it's 100% that it's going to happen. I think it's going to be delayed, but they'll extend the season over like the Super Bowl will not happen the first Sunday in February. It might happen in like March or the beginning of April, something like that. Okay, that's good to hear. Because uh, the, the NFL will try to maximize their profit. They're not going to 10 games. They're going to play everything. Do you have a fear that the, the MLB is going to muck this up? and 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 cause some kind of outbreak with their the the things that they have cooked up to quarantine people and play in certain states because if we have one outbreak it's that happens that could screw it for everybody so i'm I'm almost hoping the nfl is the one that that tries this out or i've said the quarantine all players in hotels they're already away from their family half of the year anyway and just literally don't let them after a 14 day quarantine period or 21 day don't let them see anybody. And that's just part of your job. And you got to go through that, at least for the early stages of the, of the season. Uh, you got the, the, uh, the uh, UFC buying an island, Dana White buying an island and having everybody fight on it, right? Like that's genius to me. I, I don't know why we can't come up with something for the NFL to protect it. Because I feel like these players don't make great decisions and we're going to let them loose on the streets to go and bring something into a locker room. It's, it's going to be a disaster. Well, I mean, you get into the situation where that is not collectively bargained. And if I was a player, I'd be like, you can't tell me to stay here. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you, but that's not in my contract. So you can pay me. And maybe that they'll strong arm the players in the league and be like, well, we're going to cut you then. But what if, what if Aaron Rodgers says, fuck this? Then, then what happens? Yeah. The, the entire thing breaks down. Can I ask you one other question? What, what <laughs> of the things you know and the people that you're connected to, maybe you've heard something like this too. But I'm curious to know if we don't have a season, 
what happens to the contracts and the years accrued for players? So in a, an example of Kenyon Drake on an eight-year, one-year deal, he's guaranteed to get paid, I believe, correct? But if he gets paid that $8 million, does his one-year accrue and then he's basically a free agent again? Or does the NFL pay everybody, freeze everything, but reinstitute all those contracts and deals if we don't have a year? This, I do not know. That is a, I don't even think that the NFL wants to even play that scenario. Maybe they're doing it behind the scenes, but publicly they haven't said anything, at least to my knowledge, about what would happen in that circumstance. Because I think that they're projecting out full steam ahead. Like they're still acting like open, like they're going to release the schedule and the schedule is going to have like September 5th. Here's the first game. The first weekend, week one is going to be when week one was scheduled. And they're going to hold on to that for as long as they can. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've asked that to a number of people and no one has an answer. I don't expect them to. It's, it's just no one's ever experienced this before. But I'm curious to know what happens to these players because a guy like Drew Brees will be one year older. A guy like Tom Brady will be one year older. Will he be worth the contract he's currently on? And on top of that, what about the teams that have made trades or signed players like Kenyon Drake to a one-year deal? It's crazy to think about. I hope we don't get to that point, but one outbreak within you know a locker room and then boom. You know, we'll, we'll be in that that place. So yeah, I, I'm a little worried. Like, well, I, I've even discussed it to the point of let's say it happens to a team. What happens to that team then during the season? Like if this happens, let's say they don't start till November, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Detroit Lions there's an outbreak on the Lions. Like what happens to their Week Two game? Like if the other team doesn't have it, right. obviously they can't play. Do you still have football with the other teams and like they have to make it up at a later date? Like. At least in baseball, that's easier to do. In football, that is exceptionally difficult. So mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily know how they would have to play it out. It almost seems like if it was me, and it's not, and maybe I haven't really thought this out completely, but they don't want to give up any games because of the revenue. I completely understand that. But they might have to. So instead of doing 16 games over a 17-week period, maybe you keep the 17-week period, but you only do, let's say, 14 games or 13 games, and you have to have like bi-we- like multiple bye weeks for teams or even maybe even a league-wide bye week just so everyone is off that week in case something like that happens, and then you have to make up a game. Yeah. And do you start drafting? Uh, this is kind of a joke, but it, it, there's some logic to it. You start drafting players in, in cities that aren't as bad, you know, likely to, to, but then again, these players travel all over the place, but it's, yeah, I don't, I think if a team was, was infected, I think they'd scrap the season or they'd pause the season and try and figure it out. I don't, I just don't think you can, you can move forward um, if that happens. So I'm real concerned about something happening later because this whole pandemic was created from a small number of cases that then spread very, very rapidly. So if we don't have it completely annihilated, which I don't think we will, we're running that risk big time of, of just a massive infection again, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully well, not. Right. Well, did you see the story that it was a good thing that the Niners didn't win the Super Bowl because they would have had that parade in downtown San Francisco and like yeah. San Francisco had been infected at that point. But since Kansas yeah. City won, there were so few cases there that it wasn't that big of a deal. Like that's nuts yeah. to think about. I know the the Niners did us a favor. Um, so thank you, 49ers. But yeah, uh, in college football, I think that's off. There's just too many moving parts and too many stadiums, too many groups and, of personnel. And if I'm a college football player, I'd be like, I'm not getting paid. Fuck this. Yeah. 
I, 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 how is it, how is college football going to happen? I don't think it is. And what does that do to the, you're going to have two rookie class, or you're going to have a, uh, essentially if let's say the NFL did get canceled and then you didn't have a college season, you'd have literally two rookie classes coming in in 2021. It's just a lot of, it's so hard to wrap your, your, your brain around. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy times. Um, I just, I'm hopeful that, that we have a year. I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe we don't rush it. I'd rather have a 10 game season start later and make sure we have a handle on everything than to try to rush us and screw the whole thing up. So now is that, is that because you have concern for the safety of the players and fans, or you just don't want it to get canceled and this is the best way. for Well, (laughs) Well, let me think of the best way to answer that. Uh, Both, (laughs) you know, I, I obviously have concern for the, the, the spreading of this and getting back into a crazy, like it's crushing our economy. If another outbreak would, would cause more economic, trouble for everybody so and and the you know health concerns and i don't want anybody to to any more lives to be lost from this thing but you know from a business perspective i have a lot invested in the nfl you have a lot invested in sports um we need it and i'd like to do it right so we don't botch it and and get right back to square one because we wanted to rush this thing so we'll see if the mlb does that on our behalf and rushes it but we'll see um what what are the plans of the mlb uh, kicking off like is there a date i i'm get i the only rumors i've heard is july 4th but i mean i don't care about baseball baseball could just not come back i i don't care it's like the it's like ncaa I, basketball i didn't miss the tournament for a second like the masters really hurt me okay <laughs> well i'm okay with baseball going away too i'm a football guy so that'd be fine by me but as it seems right now, it does, and we thought that UFC was coming back anyway. It, it That was thrown out the window, but it does seem like they will be the first ones back at the beginning or mid-May. The PGA just said that the Colonial is going to happen. That's the second week of June. So at least they're maybe they're just throwing it out there to be optimistic. I don't know. But uh, it's funny because that's like two months away. It's like, let's go. Two months from now, we could yeah. have sports. At least it's creating yeah. some some degree of optimism. And I think that's what the NFL yeah. is doing by not saying, hey, they probably had the contingency plan in place, but they don't want to release it because it makes it seem like everything is worse than maybe people think that it is, that we say, hey, we're going to have our preseason. It might only be two games. We're going to start the year on time. We're going to have the NFL draft. That it does seem like business as usual. That is relatively uplifting for people at least it is for me <laughs> yeah and, and how how are how are companies like uh DraftKings doing right now it's got to be hurt hurting but are are there i saw you guys streaming um a bunch of uh nfl games from madden which was really cool and i stopped in and and, and saw a couple of those those are pretty cool is there uh an esports uh wave or movement that you guys are going to kick into gear or the the esports movement is on right now. I mean, that's the the game in town on DraftKings, at least on the main site. The sports book is going to do really well with the NFL draft, at least I would think, because people are just clamoring for things to bet mm-hmm. on. Uh, but as it pertains to like daily fantasy, like they had released a million dollar contest for the UFC event that ended up getting canceled for, for two forty nine, and that was filling very very quickly. So. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, everything's down across the board. Like, even when I look at overall podcast downloads, uh, I mean, they're just down. People aren't commuting. Most people listen to podcasts when they either go to the gym or when they're commuting. You can't do those two things anymore. So people are mm-hmm. listening to fewer podcasts, by and large. I know I am, at least in my personal life. Usually, I'm crushing mm-hmm. podcasts on my commute every day. I'm not commuting every single day. I'm not commuting anywhere. So I'm listening to fewer podcasts over and over. But the same thing's going to happen. Like, right now on DraftKings, you can play, like, the Outlaw tour for golf you can play counter-strike and league of legends and i racing and all this other stuff and uh, some of the prize pools are pretty juicy to tell you the truth like i'm looking at it right now there's an e nascar event that's coming up that you know is a ten dollar entry fee that has three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars of total guaranteed prize pools so imagine when like imagine when like real sports comes back that people are going to be all over this stuff yeah you're the first major like event is going to be probably a record breaking day for, for DraftKings. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'm not even, I don't mean to hurt your feelings here, put your earmuffs on, but I'm not a huge golf guy. I, I focus on only football. Like it's the only time I have, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be clamoring for some golf uh, for anything, man. I I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm dying away here without any sports whatsoever. This is just an, a crazy time. Well, and people will learn to really appreciate golf, especially if they bet on it, because, you know, with the NFL, you have a Sunday, you have a Thursday game, you have the Monday game, then you have the full slate of Sunday. Golf is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You need stuff to fill up your day. Golf has got your back on that. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. I'm going to I'm going to have to get into it. I'm going to start. I know a guy you can talk to to get into golf. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your shows. Uh, you just did a big, you've been doing a really good uh, interview series. You had Matthew Barry. You mentioned uh, Scott Hansen's been on. You've had the footballers on. It's, it's quality stuff you're pumping out here. Thank you. And I had Vito Spada four from, from the Sopranos on last night, uh, talking about a, a first responder charity thing he's doing. So that, that was cool. I was real excited to have him on, but you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash the fantasy football show or just go to thefantasyfootballshow.com. I have the same handle on Instagram. Um, I produce tons of content on Instagram and uh, on YouTube. And then also at sleeperu.com. Um, that's sleeper, the letter u.com. That's where all my written content is. But uh, definitely grow in the channel. My, my YouTube show has only been up for 14 months. And uh, it's uh, it's been going great. So, yeah, a lot of great interviews. Matthew Berry, like you said, came on. Um, I plan to do a lot more of those types of interviews, but I, I do a lot of lives. I, I did a 24 hour straight live stream twice where it was just me. I didn't have somebody relieve me. I didn't take a nap. Um, it took like two or three bathroom breaks. I was going to say, did, hours did, did, you, did you wear an adult diaper? I did not. I took two, uh, two or three bathroom breaks. I went you know, running the second time. I got smarter the second time. I did a, a Skype call with my phone and left the studio up and had myself patched in. I went running. First time was brutal. It was just me for 24 straight hours in my studio. It was to kick off my show. It just started. Um, so, you know, I do that all the time. Uh, I, I, uh, I said 10,000 times Kenyon Drake took me almost two hours. Just said Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, 10,000 times uh, to do to spread Kenyon Drake awareness for 2020 to top five to 10 running back. That's not coming from a place of homerism here in Arizona. That's legit unbiased uh, analysis right there. Well, again, you can go onto YouTube and just search the Fantasy Football Show. You can go check that out. There's new content. Basically, it, there is new content every single day. I think it's like me and you. We have content every single day. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I think that the people are craving it right now. You know, they're at home. They're not. They're they're needing something to do, and I feel like it's on us 
Pat, to, to make sure we're there for people right now and create content on the daily. So that's, that's my goal. That's what I've been doing. I go live on Instagram all the time too, but I'm, I'm live on YouTube like once every other day and I produce one or two videos a day. So, well, go busy, check out- busy. Yeah, certainly so. So go check out Smitty over there and on Instagram, like he mentioned. For me, at the PME, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Obviously, the DraftKings YouTube channel. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, along with subscribing to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, just do that. Why not? Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle. Something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience, and you'll be in that draw. If you missed and you're searching for content, Beyond what Smitty's putting out over on his page, I've already done the mock draft. I've already done a running back breakdown. I've already done a scouting report and draft grades. Bunch of great guests. You can find all of that in the description of this video or podcast if you want to go play Rewind. And tomorrow, we got some bets. We got some draft props ready to go for you out there so we can all lose money together, which is the theme of this show. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!